everyone. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at Legacy. Whether you're joining us online, on television, or right here in the sanctuary, we're so glad you decided to join us for this clean out from the blizzard again Sunday, Christmas sweater Sunday, among other things. Y'all look fantastic in your Christmas sweaters. I was concerned about wearing this one today because am I going to cause it to snow again? Uh, but then I realized that's not how weather works, so this is totally fine. Um, I didn't see Corey. Is there to see Corey's sweater from the back if you didn't this morning? He's got a great Christmas llama, and the back of his sweater is the back of the Christmas llama. It's delightful. Uh, be sure to catch a picture if you're in Christmas sweaters. Grab a picture by the fireplace or by one of the trees out there this morning. Celebrate this fourth Sunday of Advent. Now, amazingly, it is a Christmas Eve is this Saturday. Can you believe it? I mean, as an elementary school kid, I remember waiting forever. It was an eternity to get from December 1st to December 24th. I sat there as an elementary schooler, and it would just never come. And then now, as an adult, it seems like Christmas comes and goes so much faster. So enjoy this holiday week with your people. Now, on this, the fourth Sunday of Advent, we celebrate love. Love is the reason God comes to earth as Jesus. So how do we know this to be true? Isn't God trying to catch us doing wrong things, making mistakes and sins? God is just waiting for us to mess up and then say, gotcha, and send us away from God's presence for all eternity. Isn't God doing that? No, God is not. We read this in the most well-known scripture that's out there. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God sent Jesus not to condemn us, not to condemn you and me, but to make a way through Jesus to be saved, to be made whole right now today in this life. Jesus enters our lives and changes us, transforms us from the inside out. God wants us to live lives to the full in Christ. And that began that very first Christmas when Jesus came to earth as a baby. And the motivation for it all, the motivation for God for everything is love. Love for you. Love for me. Love for the whole world. God is not just some old guy with a monocle up in the sky just waiting for us to mess up and to send us away. God is the loving father, the loving daddy watching and waiting, looking down a long dirt gravel road, just waiting for his children, just waiting for you and me to come back, to come home to Jesus. Love motivated God that very first Christmas. We've been journeying through some of our classic and favorite Christmas tunes, and up today is the anthem, O Come All Ye Faithful. As near as we can tell, this song was written way back in 1745 by John Francis Wade in France. The original words were in Latin, much like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Lucky for us English speakers, it didn't stay that way. About 100 years after it was written, another guy named Reverend Frederick Oakley wrote the English words that so many of us love and adore today. Now that's our best guess. Because as Corey noted a few weeks ago, copyright laws were not the same a few hundred years ago as they were today. This song, like so many others from that era, was influenced and changed by various people in various places for all kinds of reasons. Uh, there's some indication there's Portuguese influence. Some people changed the song at one point just to make a political point for that time period. Now, whatever its long journey to get to us today, it is a stirring tune, giving us a glimpse of the Christmas story 
And it teaches us some very deep truths. It teaches us some theological, it teaches us some study of God ideas. Now take, for example, this verse in some versions. God from God, God from true God, and light from light eternal, born of a virgin to earth he comes, only begotten Son of God the Father. Now here the author is making a statement about just who Jesus is. In the early church, there was all kinds of debate about who Jesus was. Was Jesus really 100% God? Was he 50% God and 50% human? Uh, Like some kind of a half-calf beverage we order at our favorite coffee place. How does that even work if he's 50-50? And the church debated this intensely. You can read about some of these debates, and I'm talking about debates that devolve into fisticuffs and pulling hair, you name it. So eventually the church comes to a consensus that says Jesus was and is 100% God and 100% human and leaves it to a mystery as how exactly that works. This verse says Jesus was and is God and it is significant. Jesus is fully God and fully human because that means God walks with us. God shows us the way to be saved. God is not punishing human flesh. God is redeeming this physical existence. God wants all of us to be saved, to be made whole in Christ, and shows us the way, a new way to be human in Jesus, which was actually the original way to be human in the first place. This song invites us to sing with the angels, to sing with them, to greet Jesus the very day he arrived, that very first Christmas. The whole song is an invitation The whole song is an evite to come and see the baby, come and see Jesus and to worship God. Because the refrain, the chorus tells us over and over again, come and adore him, come and adore him, adore Jesus. Now I'm guessing if you're like me, there's not a whole lot of things that we adore. It's not a word that we use lightly or often. We say that we like all kinds of things. We say we love fewer things, but adore? We don't usually say we adore our spouse or our children. We don't usually say we adore Thai food, we adore Mexican food, we adore Indian food, and now I'm ready for lunch. It's a word that is reserved for very few things, and it's applied to God. We adore God. We worship God. We adore Jesus. We worship Jesus. Here is the invitation in verse 1. We are invited to come All of us who are faithful, joyful, and triumphant, come to Bethlehem, come and behold Jesus, the king king of angels. We're invited to go to Bethlehem. That's the place where he was born. We're to come, all of us, joyful and triumphant ones, those who are beyond happy, beyond excited, to witness the arrival of not just the long-awaited Messiah for the Hebrews, but God in the flesh. How crazy is that? God in the flesh come to make a way to hope, healing, and wholeness for the whole world, for everyone who wants it today. We are invited to come joyful and triumphant. Is that how you came into the sanctuary today? I know there are days I come into worship much more broken and beaten than I come joyful and triumphant. We come into this place, we can come into this place broken and beaten, It could be the result of sin, of missing the mark in our own lives, of loving God and loving our neighbor. We're also broken and beaten through no fault of our own. It's other people's choices that are affecting us. Our families, given or chosen, have strained relationships. They have broken bonds. There are people that we are loved that are addicted to all kinds of things. 
people that we care about dealing with depression and other mental illnesses. Inflation continues its damage. The stock market keeps going for a ride. This is all great encouragement for the holidays, right? Or am I the only one who finds myself broken and beaten more than I am joyful and triumphant coming to worship on Sundays? Instead, we come in hurried and worried. Our calendars are full. Our bank accounts are empty. We come frustrated and angry with people not doing what they said they were going to do and others that are just flat out disappointing us. We are fearful and concerned for the future. We don't know what kind of world our children, our grandchildren, our people are going to inherit. Where do we turn? Where do we turn when we find ourselves lost and hurting, more desperate and afraid than joyful and triumphant coming into every day? Not just on a Sunday morning, but every single day. Check out Psalm 73. The Psalms are that really honest prayer book of the people of Israel. And this is Psalm 73, verse 26. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. My heart may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. It is in God. It's in Jesus we are restored. Whether we're lost and hurting, desperate and afraid, broken and beaten, hurried and worried, it's time with Jesus. It is time with God. It's an adoration. It's in worship of God we can find ourselves restored, healed, recharged, repurposed for the day, for the work that is to come. Our song today gives us the solution when we're lost and hurting. It's found every time we sing the chorus. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us worship Jesus. Oh, come, let us find our peace and rest, our hope and restoration in Christ. I know the days when I come into the sanctuary hurried and worried and frustrated and angry, when I turn my heart, when I turn my attention, when I turn my focus to Jesus, I change. As I focus upon the songs, the prayers, the words, the scripture in worship, my attitude changes. That's the Holy Spirit doing its work in me. As I leave, I still have the same stressors. As I leave, I still have the same challenges as when I came into worship an hour ago. But my attitude, my perspective is different. My spirit is lifted, and I go into the week with Jesus. I spent time to adore him. Now, there are a couple of different groups in the Christmas story who came to Jesus to adore him. We're going to take a look at the wise men this morning. You can follow along with their story. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 2 in your Bibles. Follow along in your own Bibles or on your favorite device or on the screen with me. This is how the story begins in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men came from the eastern lands, arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw the star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, these wise men were astronomers and astrologers. In ancient time, those two jobs went together. In those days, it was commonly thought when you saw something impressive in the sky, when there was an eclipse, when there was some kind of star that appears, it was thought there was a corresponding event on Earth. And so these astronomers, these astrologers, would try to find that corresponding event. Much ink and thought has been written about what was the star? What was this thing the wise men found that led them to Jesus? 
One idea that I found uh, very compelling is the conjunction of two planets. It's Jupiter and Saturn coming really close together. Now, Jupiter in this day was thought to be the royal and the kingly planet. That's what Jupiter represented. Saturn was thought to represent the Jews. So Jupiter and Saturn coming together, if you were an astronomer and astrologer of the time, you would have interpreted those two planets coming together to say, hey, look, there's going to be a new king of the Jews that is born. So their quest begins. They see the planets come together, and they start journeying in that direction. Now, these wise men were likely quite wealthy, so they would have had plenty of resources to start this journey far away, far east from Israel, and to start looking for this king. Now, regardless of why they chose to go, Scripture tells us their purpose of what they wanted to do. They have come to adore him. They have come to worship him. That's why they said they came. This is significant, friends. They are not Hebrew people. They are not Jews. They are pagans. They are Gentiles. They are non-Jewish. And here they are making this long journey to worship the new king of the Jews. This is no small thing. Even in Jesus' youngest years, we see Jesus is not just the Jewish Messiah, but he is the Savior of everyone. The wise men are eventually successful in their quest. Jump down to verse 10 in Matthew chapter 2. When the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had told them in a dream not to return to Herod. When I read these encounters in the Christmas story, I always wonder, what were these experiences like for Mary and Joseph? Just after Mary gives birth and she and Joseph are trying to catch their breath, a whole bunch of shepherds come bursting in to meet this newborn king. Did they get used to these heavenly interruptions in their day? I know scripture tells us Mary treasured many things in her heart, but there are times that she thought, oh my goodness, not again. I'm just trying to get this kid to sleep and you come barreling in here to having to meet him. In this scripture, Jesus is probably one to two years old when the wise men arrive. And again, this family is just going about their day and suddenly interrupted by an indeterminate number of wise men bringing gifts fit for an earthly king to their doorstep. These gifts also would have been appropriate to give to other gods of the day. Now, not only that, they bow down and worshiped Mary and Joseph's toddler. Now, just picture that in your own house. You've got kids, you've got nieces and nephews. Someone is interrupting your day to bring you really expensive gifts, and suddenly they bow down and worship your one-year-old. That's weird, right? Even though Mary and Joseph had angel dreams, they experienced the shepherds, Mary's experience with Elizabeth, and now with the wise men, there had to be a part of a human response in there somewhere that said, I cannot believe I'm a part of this. I cannot believe that this is happening to us. I cannot believe that God chose us, you and me, Joseph, to care for, to help guide this Messiah, the Savior of all. King Herod had a right to be worried. These gifts were typical for a new king, and Herod was worried because he was sure this new Jewish king was going to be a threat to his power and throne. So therefore, 
after the wise men leave, after they don't come back, he decides to murder all of the boys under age two in the region the wise men went to. This turns Mary and Joseph and Jesus into refugees in Egypt for a number of years. Now, don't miss the magnitude of Matthew, including this encounter with the wise men in this story. Jesus is the true king of the Jews, not Herod. God's justice and peace are coming to the whole world, not just to the Israelites. And the wise men got to be a small but not insignificant part of this story. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome to worship, to adore this newborn king. Now they came, they brought gifts, and they adore him. We don't have the star to guide us to Jesus. We do have the Holy Spirit available to us each and every day to draw us closer to Christ. So how do we as a people who don't find ourselves joyful and triumphant always, how do we worship Christ daily? How do we not just on a Sunday morning adore Jesus in the regular patterns and habits of our day? I suggest two things to you. First, you need to make the time. Make the time. I don't think I've heard anybody ever say they've got way too much time and not enough stuff to do. Even retired people who I'd expect to say that will tell me, you tell me you are more busier in retirement than you were when you had a day job. However, friends, we're going to make time for what we believe is important and necessary and critical in our lives. And I would argue to you that making time to adore Jesus, to worship Jesus daily, is critical. It's going to have a profound effect on you. Now, don't start where John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, did, who got up at 4 a.m. to spend multiple hours in prayer. Cutting away sleep and other healthy habits is not the way to make time. Start small in your adoration of Jesus throughout your day. This is simply the practice of being present to God in our daily lives. God walks with us through every moment, in work, in school, at home. We just have to tune ourselves to the fact that Jesus is always with us. Jesus doesn't only meet us here in worship, but every moment we are out and about, at home, at work, and school, throwing snow multiple times this week. Jesus walks with us every day. So start small. As your car is warming up in the morning, give thanks to God for it. Your prayer is one word, thanks. That's it. It doesn't have to be long and wordy. One word prayers. Just one word prayers to waken yourself to the fact Jesus is with you every moment of each day. Driving to work, arriving safely, say thanks that God got you to work safely. If you get into an accent on your way, modify your prayer of thanks thusly. Now when someone at work is driving you crazy and you hold your tongue, give thanks later that you held your tongue. When a relative this Christmas is getting on your last nerve, give thanks that you didn't throw that present at them that you wanted to. Throughout your day, give God praise, give God thanks, give God credit and recognition. Over time, you will absolutely notice a shift because now you're mindful. Now you're mindful of all the ways God moves in your life that you just missed, that you simply missed before because you didn't see that God is always working in and through and around you. Now, in addition to making the time, grow the desire. Grow the desire in you to spend time with Jesus. I have never been a coffee drinker. I have never liked the taste. 
Throughout the years, many people have tried suggesting it, and I just power through because eventually you're going to love it. Just drink it, you're eventually going to love the taste. It doesn't matter that it tastes like disgusting hot water right now because later it's going to be awesome. I don't know, maybe my taste buds are lazy, maybe I'm lazy. I just want to like something immediately and not be forced into liking it. Folks want me to grow the desire for coffee? It has not worked. Now, you can choose your own pathway with coffee, but let me strongly encourage you to develop a desire to spend time with God. We carve out time for so many other things, and we just might not see the benefit of desiring this time with Jesus. The little letter of James reminds us, Come close to God, God will come close to you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. This is a situation where we spend more time with Jesus. We are going to want to spend more time with him. Unlike coffee, we're not going to have caffeine withdrawal, but Jesus is going to slowly change us over time to be more loving, more kind, more patient, more peaceful. Regardless of the situation, the chaos around us, That is what daily time with Jesus is going to do for us. These little one-word prayers. Friends, you were made to adore Jesus. You were made to worship Jesus. This is not just a Sunday event. Our heart doesn't come with that built-in desire, but it can be changed. Making the time changes our desire to want to spend time with God who loves us deeply, who loves us so much that God came in Jesus to show us the way to live, die, and rise again so we can live lives full of hope and healing and wholeness in this life right through to the next one. If we start to adore Jesus, if we start to practice the habit of recognizing all the moments of thanksgiving through our day, we're going to change. It will dramatically change us. Our attitudes, our perspectives, our tastes, our desires will line up more with Jesus's than our own. Friends, who we are is changed because whose we are is becoming more and more clear every day. Who we are is changed because whose we are is becoming more and more clear every day. We are Jesus's and we seek to live for him. So as we're more mindful of Jesus in our daily lives, we will be more joyful and triumphant of people finding joy and peace despite all the chaos and craziness around us. Let us go and give thanks to God in all the small moments throughout our day, adoring the one who lived, died, and rose for us. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are inspired and awed by the wise men, journeying so far with absolute certainty they would meet you. We are awed by Mary and Joseph and all they endured to be a part of the story of salvation for all of us. We're so thankful for all you've done in our lives and are grateful. We are a small part of the journey of following you, of helping others to follow you. Help us to give just a little time every day this week to give thanks, to see you moving in ways we would not have seen otherwise. As we prepare ourselves for communion today, We pause and remember those times that we fell short, those times we didn't love you with all of our heart, and those times we didn't love our neighbor as ourselves. So God, in this moment of silent prayer, we give to you those mistakes, those sins we committed in this past week.
Lord, we thank you for forgiving us each and every time that we ask. May we go into this Christmas week. May we go inspired and filled with your Holy Spirit to help draw people to you just by the way that we live our lives. We lift up all the prayers spoken and unspoken today, and we pray together in the way Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.